one of the most famous, most memorized verses of the Bible is Psalm 119, verse 105. You all know it, right? Oh, you don't know the reference. I didn't either. I had to look it up. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Last week we spent a long time talking about how we might walk as children of light. I think that text gives us a bit of a hint. Your word, and in the context of Psalm 119, that, that would refer to mostly the law of Moses, but it's, uh, we can apply it to all of God's word, can we not? This is going to bother me. It's going to bother you too. <laughs> Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, the truth of God's word, is the thing that enables us to see, to see the path ahead, to see the situation in which we find ourselves in light in life, to understand it correctly. Have you ever had the experience of walking down a trail at night? You usually bring some kind of light with you, right? What if you didn't? Well, if you didn't bring a light with you, what would happen? You might go off the trail. You might bump into a tree. You might uh, lose your way. I recently had the experience. I went out to the Spelonk Lighthouse to take some photographs late in the afternoon. And when I came back, it got dark. Thank you. Now I have six of them. That's, off. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, so as I was coming back, it was dark. And I was driving my little four-wheeler buggy thing. And it has lights. And it was still kind of hard to find my way back. Because, you know, the road out there is not really a road. It's more like tire tracks in the sand. And once or twice I started to go this way because I thought it was time to go this way now and it wasn't, so I had to come back. And that's with lights. What if I didn't have lights on my buggy? Well, I would have been coming back in the morning. No way I would have found my way. You got to have lights. And the principal light in life is what God says. 
Whatever God says is true, and His Word is a light and a lamp to our feet. And so last time we talked about walking as children of light, and we mentioned that that means we're the people who have the light. And so we're the people who actually live in the real world. And that people who don't know Christ don't have this light, and so they are less informed. And the world they live in is smaller and less visible than the world you live in if you know Christ. And we bring that light to bear. Well, this week, we come to this text. Look carefully then. Now that word then is the little Greek word un, which means therefore, which means based on what I just said, all that stuff about walking as children of light, he says, look carefully. Well, that makes perfect sense. The word here means to see something. So he says, look carefully how you walk. So in the context of light making things visible, we're now commanded to see where we're going. It's like he says, so watch where you're headed. Watch how you walk. Be aware of my situation in the light of Christ. As we noticed last time, we Christians operate in the real world, so we have a greater vision of the situation in which we live. We understand the consequence of heaven and hell. We understand the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We understand the, the practical wisdom that the love of God imparts to a person. And so we are called upon here to diligently maintain our situational awareness. To see the world as it is in the light of Christ. To remember the big situation in which our little situation happens. You know, on a daily basis, things trouble us. Things bother us. We've got work to do. We have struggles. We have conflicts. We have uh, stresses. We have every kind of little thing, situations we find ourselves in. We're driving down the road and the tire goes flat. Ugh. Or worse. Or we're getting our daily work done and something interrupts us. Our, I had this experience this week. I went to use my phone and my phone had been disconnected. No service. Because I forgot to pay the bill. I had myself set up to pay the bill automatically and you know that ended so for now two months I hadn't noticed that I hadn't paid the bill. So Telbo said, no more for you. Well, 
So now my whole day is reorganized in order to get my phone service. You know what I'm talking about. All the stupid little things all the time. And if I'm walking as a child of light, if I'm following this advice, if I'm looking carefully how I walk, I remember that that little situation that I'm in happens in inside the big situation in, that I'm in, which is child of God. The overseer of all things who, no matter what happens to me, is taking care of me. My good shepherd, my savior, my Lord, my redeemer, my friend. And so, like the guy in the song, we can say, it is well with my soul, whatever my lot. And so I notice whatever situation I'm in is inside a bigger situation. So I have an eternal view. And so I remember, there's examples of this. I, I am aware of the meaning and the function of suffering in this life because I'm a child of light. And I am walking with my eyes open, looking carefully how I walk. And so as I walk, I remember if some suffering comes into my life, it is going to work out for my benefit. That there's a supervisor and that there's no meaningless suffering in the life of a follower of Christ. If I also can remember the priority of fellowship over self-advancement or accomplishment, that the relationships I have especially with God, but also with you, with other people, with anyone, with any person, that that is a more important, more significant thing than whatever I need to get done today. Or whether we accomplish our mission in life. What I would like to see in the life of the church is that we recognize that our mission is our fellowship. And we should not uh, burden our relationships in order to accomplish some other imagined goal. That what we're doing in church is not a long list of church programs, but we're living life together in the light of Christ. And so, if I'm walking, looking carefully... I notice these things. I notice the security of my position and my identity in Christ. Because I am safe in Christ, I can take risks in order to love other people. And it's only because I'm secure in Christ, in the love of God in Christ, it is only because I have that position of security that I can take those risks. I don't need your approval, affection, because I have His. And so I can do what's right by you and not worry so much about whether everyone is taking care of me.
because he's taking care of me. I expect he'll probably use you to do it, but okay. So I look carefully how I walk. I have my eyes open in the light of Christ. Have you ever had the frustrating experience of an unteachable person? I gather from that chuckle that the answer is yes. The frustrating experience of an unteachable person. Someone brings to you a problem. And you clearly see the solution. Somehow. You might even clearly see a biblical solution. Somehow. You might have had their problem before yourself and worked your way through it based on your understanding of the light of God's Word, and you share that with the person, and they might even say something like, wow, that's, that's fantastic. I appreciate that good advice. And then they proceed to ignore it. It's frustrating, isn't it? Well, I want you to think about how much we're all going around frustrating the Lord but he's good, he's patient, he's willing. It's a frustrating experience, the experience of good advice ignored. What if you're walking in the forest in the dark and you're trying to find your way and you suddenly remember Oh, I have a flashlight in my backpack. And you go, wow, I have a flashlight in my backpack. And then you proceed to continue stumbling through the forest in the dark and you don't get your flashlight out and shine it around. What would we call you? Foolish. That's a nice way of saying it. In fact, we can't even imagine anyone actually doing that because it's so foolish. And yet, in the Christian life, do we not do this? We have the flashlight. We have the wisdom and the collective wisdom of the body of Christ that might be shared with us at any time. And we say, oh, never mind that. I'll figure it out for myself. And we don't walk in wisdom. Here, to walk in wisdom is the goal. He says, don't walk as unwise. Well, what would that be? That would be ignoring the big situation that your little situation is in. To walk as wise is to be so full by the work of the Spirit, to be so full of the goodness of God in Christ that we become the goodness of God in Christ to the people around us. Now, that's a complicated sentence, so I'm going to say it again. Because this is the point of today's message. What does it mean to walk as wise? To walk in wisdom? It means to be so full by the work of the Spirit 
of the goodness of God in Christ that we become the goodness of God in Christ to the people around us. It is to see and to seize the opportunity of goodness. This is what we're going to see as we proceed through this text. To let some small temporal issue distract you from this is foolish. To miss this opportunity is foolish. To be so caught up in the goodness of God in Christ that you become the goodness of God to the people around you. That's wise. To pass on that opportunity is foolish. Do not walk as unwise, but as wise. If we, uh, let me just read this text. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or dissipation, we might say. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Walk as wise. If we think about what the Scripture says about wisdom, it's very different from what we normally think of as wisdom. Wisdom is practical intelligence. It means a, a certain life perceptiveness. And that's the general definition of the word wisdom. It's being smart about how to live. But if we take that concept under the light of God's Word, we find out, well, the real version of it. The real version of it goes like this, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. You know it? This is another very commonly memorized verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I got to just look this up real fast because he had, there's a second half of that verse. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The foundation upon which all real wisdom is built. The foundation upon which all real wisdom is built is a true orientation toward God. The most foolish possible thing a person can do is ignore God. Live as though God does, is not present. 
the beginning of wisdom, the front end of wisdom, if you want to be wise, the only place you can really begin and actually become really wise is to recognize God as God. It's the awful appreciation of the godness of God. The fear. You know, that word gets translated into the Greek. It uses the word phobos, which means like terror. And what this means, this idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is that a person deals with God. The Creator, the Almighty, the Judge, the Lawgiver, the Righteous, Holy God. That's the starting place of wisdom. And so if I let small things distract me from that, that's foolish. Wisdom begins with proper attention to what God says. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And here's the thing about God, though it's the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God leads me to the goodness of God. This awesome one, this eternal one, this holy, righteous Creator Almighty of all things is my friend in Christ. So I don't want to be distracted from the reality of eternal blessing. We read in Ephesians that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so if I have Christ, I have all. That holy, righteous, almighty, fearful, awesome God has blessed me entirely. And so that is my starting point in living as wise, walking as wise. If we looked at James chapter 3, we find several qualities of wisdom. The wisdom that is from above, which he says is not like the wisdom, the regular old wisdom. The regular old wisdom is the stumble around in the dark kind of wisdom. And people get good at stumbling around in the dark. They get good at sort of feeling their way even though they can't see anything. But the wisdom that is from above is from the God, <laughs> the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow. That's according to James. And then when he gets to chapter 3 in the book of James, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then open to reason, then full of mercy, full of good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We're just going to briefly look at these qualities here. First, it's pure. That is, it's 
morally unmixed wisdom from above. It's peaceful, and this is the word for peace that we read in Ephesians about being reconciled to our former enemy, God, and being reconciled to one another. So the wisdom that's from above lives in reconciliation, prioritizes fellowship, notices that the cross of Christ eliminates conflict between believers in Christ. The cross of Christ provides unconditional forgiveness of sin. So if you do me wrong, I can let it go because He's let me go. That's peace. That's reconciliation. That's the identifying mark of the body of Christ. This is how they'll know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. It's gentle. (laughs) This is a really interesting word because it means a gentle person is a person who does not insist on his own rights. (laughs) A person who lets things go. A person who's yielding and tolerant. Gentle. A person who doesn't need to be right. The next one is reasonable. That means a person who's listening. And if you read the book of James, of course, you're going to read a lot more about be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be a listener before a speaker. Be ready to learn something before you're ready to teach. Be more, you got two ears and one mouth. That's a reasonable person. He's ready to be persuaded. He's teachable. And if somebody points something out to me from the Scripture or even from just sound logic, I am persuaded by it. It's full of mercy. Full of mercy means he's sympathetic to the suffering of other people. He's more concerned about your suffering than mine. I'm willing to suffer to alleviate your suffering. I'm sensitive to these things. Full of mercy. Full of good fruits. Oh my goodness, this is a person whose life produces real benefit to the people around him. That's what good fruits is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit, all the same thing. This person is full of good fruits. So my life is good for you. It's a real benefit. This person is impartial. This wisdom is impartial. That means it doesn't make up its mind too fast. It's not hyper-judgmental. That doesn't mean it forgets whether things are right or wrong. It just means 
It's patient with people. And it's not quick to judge. It doesn't make up its mind without enough information. Oh my goodness. That's a high bar, isn't it? It is so easy to just jump to conclusions. Am I right? Just to say, oh, well, it must be this. When it might be something else altogether. We do this when we read people's motives. Be very careful when you go to read someone's motives. When you see their behavior and you attribute it to some dark purpose they might have. You could be right, but it might be something else. Don't be partial, prejudicial. We do this when we look at somebody's dress and make up our minds about whether they're worth knowing. We think about how someone combs their hair or whether they have too much of it. Or we think about whether they have raggedy clothes or they dress nicely. Or we notice the color of their skin and we make up our minds about them based on something like some stupid nonsense. We are not impartial. That is unwise. It is going to lead me to do something stupid and not good for the persons around me. Finally, it's without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy means what you see is what you get. It's not putting on an act. This wisdom doesn't put on an act. It's not pretentious. It's not pretentious. It's genuine. That's quite a list, isn't it? Now, back in the book of Ephesians, what we're noticing is that's just something like a very fast definition. If you went and studied all that the Bible says about what is wisdom, you'd have a big long list. You'd really have to study the book of Proverbs and the book of James for a long time, and then you'd have a more solid idea. Hey, there's an idea. Maybe you should read the book of Proverbs and the book of James in order to become wise or just the Bible, whatever. But when we come back to uh, Ephesians, Paul has this to say. What does it mean to walk as wise? Well, the first thing he says, it's making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Here's what happens if nobody interrupts it. If nobody stops it, if nobody goes the other way, what happens in the world is evil. What happens in the world is stuff that's bad for people. What we naturally do not good. The days in which we live are evil. I hear this a lot these days. It seems like they're getting more and more evil. It could be that you're just growing in your understanding of what's good, and so it seems more and more evil. I don't know. I think the world, this has been true since Paul wrote this, and before that it was already true, right? The days are evil. So, make the best use of the time. 
What does that mean exactly? Here's what I say it means. Seizing the moment. Seizing the moment to reverse the nature of the moment. To be the positive change in the evil day. To be the source of goodness in Christ in the realm of darkness. Seize the moment to reverse the nature of the moment. Be, bring the goodness of God to the moment. Notice that in Christ you always possess this opportunity. That it is possible in whatever situation you find yourself in to bring goodness. And not just goodness, but the goodness. To be the presence of Christ in the moment, you'll need to be walking as a child of light in order to do this. You will need to have your connection to the wisdom of God in order to do this. You will need to be bearing in mind the Word of God in order to do this. To remember that you are safe in Christ in order to be this person who seizes the moment to reverse the nature of the moment. This is about noticing the opportunity that is always, always, always present. This is what it means to be wise. It is to see the opportunity for goodness. That's wise. If you can't see the opportunity for goodness in your situation, you are, by this definition, not walking as wise. Now, if you are in Christ, I think it's very simple. You just have to stop and say to yourself, where is the opportunity for the goodness of Christ in this situation? And because the Word of God is in you to some degree or another, and because the Spirit of God is in you, you'll see it. You'll see some way, some little sacrifice you can make that will bring a benefit to everyone around. Seize the moment to reverse the nature of the moment. Notice the opportune nature of every moment. This is great wisdom. This will involve a capacity to see the moment fully, to live in the real world, to see the world from God's view, to shine the lamp. That's walking as wise. The second thing here is understand what God desires. <laughs> Do you see that? Oh, got to go back to Ephesians. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, for the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, so not understanding what the will of the Lord is, is foolish. Yes. It's 
keeping the flashlight in your pocket. Understanding what, understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Don't fail to operate in the light of God's world, word, the light of Christ, ignoring what God desires. But understand. The word understand here means put it together. Synthesize the facts of the situation. Put it all together and come to an understanding what God wants in the moment in which you're living. <laughs> Now, there are little moments that you pass through every day, and there are big moments, right? So we're talking about whatever that is, whatever situation you're facing, ask the question, what does God want? What will bring about the goodness of God here and now? And this is not usually hard to see. It is usually hard to do. So you'll have a decision to make whether to put the flashlight back in your pocket and just go forward or to follow the light. Well, so understand what the will of the Lord is. This reminds me of Hebrews chapter 5 where he says this, this word is for the mature who by constant practice have grown the discernment between good and evil. These are people who know, well, God, this is good and that is not good. How do they know? Because they have practiced, they have tried this and that, and they know. They have followed the Word and seen it work, and they have failed to follow it and seen how that goes. They are wise they have developed the discernment through constant practice, Hebrews said. The other place I'm reminded of is Romans 12.2, where we refuse to be conformed to this world, but are transformed by the renewing of our mind, which started in verse 1 with reflection upon the great mercy of God in Christ, the gospel. And so by the renewing of our mind, we become, the Scripture says, able to test and approve God's will. So this is not some magical flash from the sky that says, God, what do I do here? And, you know, there's some kind of zap and, oh, now I suddenly know. No, this is the discipline of the renewed mind. This is the person who's engaged in the body of Christ and in the Word of God so that they develop the mind of Christ. So that a brand new situation that they've never faced before, they evaluate in the light of God's Word. And then they take that opportunity. They're transformed to see God's will, and to see God's will, the way it's described in Romans 12-2, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is good. Oh, so we're coming back to good. How do I seize the moment to reverse the nature of the moment to bring goodness where it would otherwise not be found? God's, what pleases God is what will be good. 
to see what is good, to see what is pleasing. Well, we sometimes think this means pleasing to God. Well, we already know it's pleasing to God because it's God's will. But God's will is also pleasing, more generally speaking. It is what will result in the most satisfaction among the human race. It is what will maximize real benefit to real people. It's pleasing. If I do good for someone, they will be pleased. Okay, not always, but they'll get there. And it's complete. You know, when God is making up His mind about what pleases Him, He considers just about well, most of the things that could be considered. He doesn't leave out much when he's making up what his will is. Wait, that's not right. He doesn't leave out anything. His knowledge of the situation, his will is perfect, and that means it does not exclude anything that should be considered. So, is his will wiser than mine? <laughs> I think so. So we understand what God desires. Now, we've gotten about halfway through walk as wise, as you can see if you're following me in the notes. And we've used up all of our time plus a minute. So we're going to stop here. But I want you to remember this definition. What does it mean to be wise? To be wise is to be so full by the work of the Spirit, to be so full of the goodness of God in Christ that you become the goodness of God in Christ to the people around you. That is wise. That's the definition of wise. To see and to seize the opportunity for goodness. Wise. We're going to stop there. We'll pick it up next time. Father, thank you for this sound counsel. This, what should we do if the gospel is true? If your blessings upon us in Christ are so great, how should we behave? Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning, for everyone who's hearing my voice, for everyone, that you would fill us with your goodness, that by the Spirit at work in us, Christ would come to fully occupy our hearts so that we would fully understand his love, your love for us and him, to be filled with the fullness of God so that we become a source of goodness so that we operate in this great wisdom. Father, I thank You for the deep wisdom of the Gospel, the good news of Your grace to us in Christ. Let us live in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.